0: Welcome to Today on Broadway for Tuesday, February 20th, 2018. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And
1: I'm Broadway stars James Marino.
0: Wow, James, that was a uh, slow news day yesterday. Not a uh, ton happening. There are no grosses because the Broadway League was closed, even though that had nothing to do with all of the angry emails that they were getting about the Jan Maxwell stuff. But they were closed because of the President's Day holiday, and apparently everything else was closed was because we don't have a lot of news. But we've got some stuff to talk about. There, we've definitely got stuff to talk about, but
1: wasn't a ton coming out uh, uh, on Monday. Well, you know what they say, if it's a slow news day, uh, Michael Jordan used to say, "Don't skate to where the puck is; skate to where the puck is going to be." <laughs> yes, that's that's an old,
0: tried and true Michael, Michael Jordan. Jordan. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. First up in the news, uh, the, <laughs> sorry, the World Trade Center Art Space finds its director.
0: Yeah, we didn't talk about this yesterday, but we probably should have. But last Friday, a a couple major announcements came out of this long gestating plan to build an art space at the site of the World Trade Center, which, as we found out a little while ago, was going to be named after Ronald Perelman, who donated $75 million towards the project back in 2016. The first announcement is that the plan had gotten approval of a 99-year lease from the city, and the next part is that they had nearly raised $300 million for the project, and finally, and from a theatrical standpoint, probably biggest news is that the artistic director of this project is going to be Bill Roush. Roush has led the Oregon Shakespeare Festival for 12 years and will continue to do so through summer of 2019 when he will move to New York City to take on this project. Now, we've, James, we've talked about the Oregon Shakespeare Festival quite a bit because that's somewhere where a lot of new works begin before they end up uh, coming to New York. Now, during his time in Oregon, the festival has been known for championing diverse stories told and created by diverse artists, uh, as the New York Times points out. In its story about this, last year at one point, there were only two plays on Broadway that were written by women, Paula Vogel's Indecent and Lynn Nottage's Sweat, and both were commissioned in full or in part, by OSF. This April Roush will lead a production of Oklahoma at the festival that will feature same-sex couples in some of the leading roles that shows you how he kind of likes to bend uh, the way that things are often done. And in speaking with the Grey Lady, he said, quote, I think the vision is going to flow organically out of the space and what the World Trade Center means to the city of New York and what it means to the country and what it means to the world. The work at the Perelman is going to be about blurring boundaries between disciplines, blurring boundaries between communities. Now, James, as you know, this project has seen its share of ups and downs over the years, but it was really Perelman's donation more than a year and a half ago that got it back on track. And given the opportunity, Rausch just couldn't pass it up. In a statement, he said, "The opportunity to make, uh, the opportunity to move to New York to lead the Perelman Center is tremendously exciting. I'm honored to be able to create transformative art and cultivate a community gathering space at a site that has such powerful emotional resonance, resonance for our country." and the world. Um you know James I'm 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 happy about this in the fact that it's somebody who has a long and strong history of championing um works by diverse artists. I'm a little disappointed that it's another white dude. Um you know, so nothing against him, it just feels like they're doing something in this space that, as he very eloquently said, means so much to so many people and is really at the nexus of a melting pot for a lot of different cultural things, not only for the city but for the country. And yet in their nationwide search, they found a white guy. Um, so I, I'm i happy that he's going to do some things that um, probably don't get done in New York as often as they should but really was – I hadn't put much thought into it. But if I had, I, I would have hoped that they would have found somebody – um, a little more outside the box.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's hard to know without seeing behind the, the veil of what, of who they <laughs> interviewed, who they considered, things like that. I'm looking at the leadership of the Perelman center, uh, and the chair is Barbara Streisand.
0: Yes. That was uh, something that came out a couple of years ago. And, uh, I, yeah. That, that's a big name.
1: Yeah. Um so uh I mean they have when, uh artistic advisors are Wendell Harrington, uh Eva Van Hove, David Land, Deborah, D- David Henry Wong, uh Lisa Cron, uh Lynn Nottage, um Julie Taymor. I mean they they do have lots of different people involved in this uh mm-hmm. involved in this thing. So Hopefully it's a good choice for the long term um the long term stability of this project. That it's very it's very exciting to see um a new organization uh that is hopefully gonna be uh developing new works. That would be really great.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, Oregon Shakespeare Festival, we've talked about it, James both um uh, uh, both Daryl and Jordan Roth are bringing shows or at least allegedly bringing shows to Broadway um, that they originally saw there. Um first uh, Jordan's bringing uh, head over heels. And then we've heard these stories about Daryl bringing the Roe V Wade play that she saw there. Um, things like all the way uh, the, the, uh, Lyndon Baines Johnson play that won a Tony a couple of years ago that started at the Oregon Shakespeare Festival. Um, so I mean, this is a, a, a theater and a theater company and a festival that's done a lot of works that have found their way um, across the country and into New York. So I have no doubt in the ability for uh, for Roush to be able to create stuff that's really interesting in that space. I just, uh, you know, uh, would have liked something different.
1: All right. Next up, uh, our friend Mark Harshberg uh, writes in Forbes, a serial sewer targets Broadway theaters. Yeah, this is I,
0: – I, I hesitate to talk about these things and I always feel bad when we do, James, because we've talked about the guy who's going around and suing Broadway theaters because they aren't um, providing hearing and uh, – aren't providing accommodations for audience members who are both blind and deaf. And we always feel bad because we hate saying anything about negative about disabled people trying to get the accommodations that they are afforded under the law. However, in this story, and much like the story that we've talked about before, it seems like there are certain people, um, litigators – Lawyers who are gaming the system uh, specifically to line their pockets. In his story, Hirschberg talks about a one specific lawyer um, who has, and I'm not even gonna you know, get into a lot of the details because they're neither here nor there. But basically, we'll get a handful of 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 plaintiffs and will just have people go around and look for opportunities to sue now according to the Americans with Disabilities Act, the lawsuit that they file cannot result in in financial damages they just have to fix the problem. however lawyers are allowed to to recoup their own costs so it's really I feel like these lawyers are using people with disabilities in order to make money. Because people know that it is going to be much cheaper for them to just settle and get it over with than to fight it, even if the claims are ridiculous, which this article points out. So much so that one of these lawyers um, was chastised by a judge for claiming that there was a bathroom at a subway, not like the restaurant, not a subway station that was not didn't accommodate wheelchairs, but left out the point that the restaurant didn't have a bathroom at all. So, you know, I, I always feel bad because I feel bad coming down against people with disabilities. But when you've got, you know, snakes, uh, using them to make money and going after, you know, organizations like Broadway theaters that often don't have to comply because of how the laws are written. It just,
1: yeah,
0: these, these, these whole things just make me feel icky on both sides.
1: well, here, here's a way to feel better about this. Is okay, that, please. Uh, is that uh, you and I are both saying that uh, uh, theaters should be accessible to uh, yes, and com- and comply with the theater uh, Americans with Disability is Disabilities Act ADA. Um, what we what makes us feel icky about these stories is that these these lawyers that seem to be going after deep pockets—they're not going after you know small little theater company in a ninety-nine seat house that certainly yes. doesn't have a bathroom and doesn't have elevators and things like that. They're going after deep pockets, and why are they doing that? Because they're slimy, um, and and so we yeah, think that—that's true. And we think that theater should be accessible to everyone. Uh, no matter who you are and what your situation is, um, and and I think that that's the rub in this story is that the the lawyer part of it is is uh, just gross. Yeah, and as Mark points
0: out uh, in the article, um, a lot of these theaters make accommodations where they can, but the way that the laws are written is that whatever changes need to be made they have to be able to be done basically simply and cheaply and when you're dealing with renovating most of the broadway theaters are historically preserved landmarks nothing is easy or cheap in trying to renovate those so they literally don't have to to abide by these things um and yet they still make the efforts to And that's the point is that hershberg talks about how you know, they they provide seating, they provide alternate access uh, into the theater and bathrooms. Even if there's no bathroom that's available in their theater, they they have partnerships with places next door that allow um, customers in wheelchairs, audience members in wheelchairs, to come and use the bathroom. So they are doing what they can, and I'm. I'm never on the side of the the rich people. I mean, just who I am. I'm always on the side of the little guy. But it seems like they are trying to make accommodations. And like you said, the the slimy people are still just finding dollar signs and ways to go about it. So, yeah, it's a slow news day. So we talk about it, but it just gets me riled up. I feel, man, this this whole week has gotten me (laughs) angry, James. What is going on?
1: You should take tomorrow off.
0: Okay, thank you. In fact, I will. Yeah, in fact, Julie's going to take it for me tomorrow. I'm not I'm not coming tomorrow.
1: Okay. <laughs> right.
0: Oh, wait, no no no. No no no, that's not right. That's not right. That's not I will right. be here tomorrow.
1: It's, it's Wednesday. Yeah,
0: I'll take, I'll take the next Thursday. Day off. Off. Okay. Thursday's show I won't be. <laughs>
1: <here>. <laughs> all right. Uh what do we have in the recommendation section?
0: Okay, so I, I mentioned this uh yesterday when I was talking about all of those great videos that Richie Ridge was doing with the composers that are being honored at the Manhattan Concert Productions concert uh, tonight. It's tonight. Um, And I said that I thought there was one with Alan Menken coming, and there is. Um, Ironically, though, he's not talking about one of his biggest songs. Um, He's talking about Out There from the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Um, So that was – and there's actually a couple more that are coming out as well. He also speaks with um, um, – uh, oh, oh, I can't think of of who the other ones are. It doesn't matter. There's more of them on the site. Check them out. He's got two or three more that are really, really great. I saw them in the previews. So um, check those out. And the Manhattan concert production, I think, is still selling tickets. So if you want to get that, check that out tonight. Uh, but then there's two articles, one I want to talk a little bit about and one I'll just mention in passing, that are both from the New York Times. But last week um, they did this really in-depth article is by John Leland and it's about Lin-Manuel Miranda and not necessarily just about who he is as a member of the Broadway artistic community but about how he is somebody who is becoming, as they put it, the next lion of New York. They go into his history and his parents and talking about the differences that he's made not only on the cultural landscape, but also in the social and philanthropic landscape and what he's done with Puerto Rico and how he's becoming more than just an artist and he's becoming a a, a leader in the social world and he's becoming kind of a a beacon or an aspirational figure for a whole new generation and inspiring them to service and to philanthropy. Um, I could not agree with this article anymore Um, we've talked about this before James it's like when Hamilton hit we talked about it so much we still joke about the Hamill section because there was something new every day and at some point with all of the accolades you just want to say like okay seriously this is enough this guy's not all that great it's it's overblown but with Lynn you just can't because it does seem to be legitimate and well deserved and he just seems like a not only a, a fun guy and a nice guy but somebody who actually has the heart and the you know everything that we want from our stars now of course we've thought that about a lot of a lot of other people and that's been proven not to be true but until Knock on wood. Hopefully, that never happens. I think this article is very on point. That he is the leader of a new generation, not only for the Broadway community, but hopefully for America at large.
1: I I have to think about you know what's happening down in your neck of the woods with the uh, high school students starting mm-hmm. to take the lead in, uh, in uh, and <laughs> you know when the when the children become the adults and the adults are the children. Yeah. Um we have these uh high school students that are taking the lead in uh in gun uh advocacy uh gun legislation and their control of of firearms and things like that um it's a whole new world yeah all right and uh Laura Benanti discusses her career, but don't call her an impersonator. Yeah, No, no, no. Um, this is a really great article from
0: Alexis Um, but it kind of talks about her life and kind of ba- balancing everything she's doing between Meteor Shower, the TV show The Detour, and her stuff on Stephen Colbert with Being a New Mother. But unfortunately, despite how good the article is, the headline writer, who, of course, as most people know, is not the article, the author of the article – said uh, Laura Benanti sings with her daughter when she's not impersonating Melania Trump. And Miss Benanti did not take kindly to that. She does not like being called a Melania Trump impersonator. Um, I don't know if it's, I don't know what, I don't know what the, the beef is with that. If that she doesn't really think it's an impersonation, it's more of satire, which I think I would agree with. Um, she didn't like that. Um, but nonetheless, the article is really good. And she talks a lot about, um, her mother in there, and they're obviously getting ready to do some 54 Below shows uh, together. So I'm sure they're completely sold out. But on her Instagram, uh, Laura shared a video of Linda during a rehearsal and she's really good. I mean, you forget that she was a Broadway performer before Laura was born and then she gave it up and became a well sought after voice teacher. So it's a really cool article. Um, give you something to, to read on this hopefully busier tuesday than it was monday as everybody gets back to work
1: all right why don't you get us out of here
0: thanks for listening to today on broadway follow us on facebook and twitter at broadway radio and you can find me on twitter at bww matt and subscribe to something like a pop on itunes stitcher or google play i do think if you are out in times square or in the theater district say between 6 and 7 15 tomorrow you might see some things that we'll be talking about on the next day's show so just keep an eye out if you're out in the theater district
1: Yeah, and uh, stay clear of Elmo. (laughs) Uh, And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. I'd like to remind everybody that uh, on Thursday, you can re-download This Week on Broadway with a review of Bernadette Peters and Hello, Dolly. And never forget that Derek Jeter once said, how would you like a job where every time you make a mistake, a big red light goes on and 18,000 people boo? (laughs) All right, we'll talk to you tomorrow. I don't even know who actually said that. What, what is what is that? It's goalie, you know, oh, And <laughs> <laughs> an air horn. Yeah, exactly.